Hi, friends, and welcome to The Afterword, a podcast where we meet up to have a deeper conversation about the truths we're studying in the Bellevue Women Bible Study each week. I'm your host, Donna Gaines, and I'm here with my co-host, Dana Street, and today's guest on the podcast, Angela Dormer. This week, as we continued our study of the beginning, his story in Genesis 1 through 11, we saw how the consequences of sin can affect even the family tree of Noah, a faithful yet flawed man. This story should encourage our hearts to walk closely with God, pursue Him, and intentionally live to be more like Him. You're listening to The Afterword. Angela, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are really delighted to have you. Angela is wife to Kevin, mom to Alana, Shiloh, Titus, and Elliot. She's a small group leader in Bible study and just moved to Memphis and became a part of Bellevue a little over two years ago. Is Mm -hmm. that right? Yes. Well, we're very glad the Lord brought you here. Thank you. In fact, Angela's one of those that just jumped right in. Dana was talking about it earlier. I think it was probably your first or second week in Bible study, and I looked over and went, who is that girl that's changing tablecloths? You know, not everybody just jumps in and says, let's help you get set up for Bible study. I just went, okay, I like her. (laughs) And I wanted to know more about you. And you've just been a very vital part. I've seen you being here on Tuesday mornings, Wednesday night, just wherever you felt like the Lord wanted you to be that semester. And we've just really been blessed to have you as part of Bellevue Women. Yeah, we're thankful to be here at Bellevue and have a church that's a thriving community of believers. And Donna, what an awesome, awesome message this morning. when, When you were reading that quote, it was just so spot on. Yet Christianity in the Western world Mm. is often marginalized as a life accessory rather Mm. than the means of a powerful life transformation. If that does not describe Mm -hmm. the culture that we're living in, I don't know what does, especially in Christianity and how we see it played out in social media and just in any media, for that matter, where anything goes and you can just tack Christ onto it, exactly. rather than it being, like you were talking about this morning, that going below the surface. What an incredible challenge that mm-hmm. was for us all this morning to just say, look beneath, mm-hmm. quit pretending, mm-hmm. you know, just be there with it. It's better to be real, right? even if real is not pretty. Right. Be real with the Lord and with each other. that's what leads to transformation. We it have is. to be real. And own our stuff. (laughs) Exactly. And be, you know, willing to share it with someone else, confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. That's where we find real healing. That's where real spiritual victory takes place. And then at the end, challenging us to live on mission and so many opportunities to do that. And as we were just talking a little bit at lunch, Angela, I couldn't help but think, What a great way that the Lord has just put you, knew that you were going to be coming here today. And with that whole emphasis on living on mission and how your story just fits so beautifully into that. So how about you just get started? Jump in and give us a little bit of background. You want to tell us just a little bit about growing up and how you met your husband and how you ended up in Memphis? Sure. We'll back it up just a little bit. My husband, Kevin, and I have been married for almost 20 years, and we went to school together starting in seventh grade. But the Lord allowed us to re-meet when we were juniors in college, and I did a semester program at Focus on the Family. It was a Christian Worldview Institute, and Kevin was at the Air Force Academy. So we're almost nearly 20 years in the Air Force, 
and have moved all over. And now he is flying for FedEx. And we have four children from ages 10 to 15. And two of those were brought to us through adoption. I feel like the theme of my life has kind of been one waiting period to the next with some of them overlapping. (laughs) But I feel like that's relatable to a lot of women. We all have different waiting periods. So this isn't completely a story of adoption, but more about waiting Mm -hmm. on the Lord and Him writing my story. Mm -hmm. It really does weave into Noah, doesn't it? I mean, we think about how long he waited as he built that boat. Mm -hmm. And then once they were on and the waters began, how long they waited Mm -hmm. to be able to get off of that boat a year and 10 days, which is unimaginable to me. When you don't know when the end of that is coming. Exactly. Or what it's going to be like, Mm -hmm. because everything will be completely different from what you knew prior Mm -hmm. to the flood. Mm -hmm. And to be starting all over again. And I know some of us go through waiting periods like that and new starts. And with all the moves you've made, you've had quite a few new starts, Mm -hmm. haven't you? Mm -hmm. So I guess kind of go back to when, even before we were married, when we purchased our wedding rings, we had inscribed in them for His glory. And we really wanted that to be the filter through how we would make decisions throughout our marriage. And even during the first few months we were married, I was driving home from work and listening to Focus on the Family's radio broadcast and heard one on adoption. And I felt that pull to adopt. And so, of course, I got home and I shared that with Kevin. And then I quickly realized he was not quite in that same place (laughs) yet. And so... I tend to like have my life planned out. I like to have it all organized. But, oh, you're one of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but truly, one of the first times I really remember submitting to what I felt yes. the Spirit telling me to do, and mm-hmm. I was ready to do it, and I thought, I can either nag him into adopting, and then if things don't go well, right. he will resent me for it for the rest of our marriage. And so I really just took a step back and thought, okay, Lord, when the time is right. And so... We started moving around the globe with the Air Force, and I had my first daughter, Alana, when we were in Okinawa, Japan, and then I had Titus two years later when we were in Virginia, and while we were in Virginia, we were a part of an incredible church that had so many adoptive families, Mm -hmm. and so we just observed them, and I asked a lot of questions, and Kevin was deployed back over to Asia while we were there, and During one conversation, he said, I think it's time for us to think about adopting. Mm. So it really felt like the right timing because I had seen the Lord really turn his heart toward adoption Mm -hmm. when I didn't even know he was doing that while I was waiting. So we began our pursuit of Shiloh from Thailand, Mm. and we waited about a year to bring her home, which felt like... So a little pause here. How did you land on Thailand? What was the connection there? Well, we had lived in Asia. We loved Asian culture, but we intended to do maybe foster to adopt or domestic adoption. But when you're a military family, you can't take a child over state lines. And so we just felt we were kind of at the point where we weren't sure if we could finish in time before the next move. Mm. And we couldn't control that, I guess. And so we just felt like international adoption was going to be our path Mm. for that adoption. And if we needed to redo paperwork, if should we get moved, we would just handle that at Mm -hmm. the time. And so we brought Shiloh home. But while we were waiting to bring Shiloh home, We never asked for money at all. We just, we thought we could, you know, make it happen and that the Lord would just take care of our needs. And he did. But we started receiving checks in the mail from people 
often anonymous, and they would usually say something along the lines of, like, we love what you're doing. We want to support what you're doing. You know, it was just their way of showing love Mm. to us during that time. And so a couple months after Shiloh came home, the Air Force moved us to Las Vegas. And through some amazing circumstances, we were able to finalize her adoption within literally hours of the deadline for the year to receive back in our taxes the next year a huge (laughs) tax refund. That just was a clear indication to us that we were to pursue a second adoption. Mm. And so once Because God had provided. Oh, my goodness. And all those people, it was like multiplying what their gifts that they had given us. It was just incredible. That time we decided we were going to adopt again through the same agency and the path just seemed right to go to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And that's where our son Elliot is from. But right after we started the adoption papers, Kevin received deployment orders to Kabul, Afghanistan. And we asked our agency, would you just wait to identify our child until right after Kevin left? Because the timing would work that when Kevin returned home, we would have this joyous, you know, welcome home and let's go get our son. Mm. And so it kind of gave us something wonderful and hopeful while we were separated during six somewhat scary months apart. So the plan was for us to, Kevin would return home in October and we would fly over to Congo. Well, a month before Kevin was to return home. There developed this political tug of war between Elliot's president and our State Department about having free and fair elections and hundreds, if not a thousand or more children from different countries being adopted became the pawn between the two governments. And so Congo put a suspension on all adoptions. That had to have been hard, having to wait when you've anticipated and especially when that was going to be like this wonderful exciting Mm -hmm. opportunity Mm -hmm. as a family to welcome a new family member right after Kevin had gotten back from Afghanistan. I know that had to have been a pretty crushing disappointment. It was, and they told us it would probably be a year until they kind of figured that out, which stretched to three years. Mm -hmm. And so the short version of the story, it's a very long story, but a good one, um, was it was like riding this roller coaster and there were twists and turns, but many months we really thought he may never come home. And there were months when it just felt unending and there was a lot of silence kind of, I mean, it's Noah on the boat. Like when is this going to be over? Yet then some things would happen that were helpful. And in the midst of that, a group of parents banded together to advocate for our children in D.C. And we met with congressional members and foreign affairs committees and all kinds of amazing things happened to try to advocate for our children. And then there were some parents who were waiting it out in Congo, and they were meeting with local officials there to try to mediate It really was a mountain that had to be moved by the Lord. There was just so much opposition, and we could not make it happen. It was Mm -hmm. up to this man. And so the Lord was going to have to turn his heart. And many of those days, I just felt like I was flailing. And there were really days of extreme desperation just for that child that you wanted so badly. Many families gave in to unethical means of bringing their children home before the suspension ended, but the Lord told us clearly to obey Him and to let Him work and that He alone Mm. would get the glory for Elliot coming home. He protected Elliot through the entire time. Children in 
those areas often die or get very sick from dysentery and malaria, just simple things that we can help, but they don't have the means to do so. And Elliot was not sick once. We didn't have any doctor bills the whole time we oh waited. My. Oh, my. And so... And you were supporting. You were giving we were, support. Yes, we were supporting the pastor who ran this small orphanage. And we found ways of sending and receiving photos and sending gifts. And we paid for him to go to school while we were waiting. When we were supposed to bring him home, he was two and then as it stretched on, we thought, he's ready for school, so let's see if that's a possibility. And that became an option because he came home when he was five, which mm-hmm. was about five years ago. What was that like <laughs> after all that time of waiting? Oh, man, it was so joyful. So many people stood by us and supported us with prayer and just friendship. Honestly, I just needed some friends to yes. uphold me during those desperate times And we had this huge, it was in Las Vegas at the airport. And if you've ever been there, you come down these escalators where all the baggage claims are. And we were blocking everybody from getting to their bags. (laughs) There were, I mean, maybe 200 people were there. Church friends, work friends, just everyone was there to celebrate Elliot's homecoming because it had been so long awaited. So what was that Mm -hmm. like for him? I can't imagine coming out of what he had been in to come to this. It must have been. It was such a night and day experience for (laughs) him. Like one thing that comes to mind is when we took him to the hotel in Congo, we took him in the bathroom and we were kind of showing him how to use the toilet because that was very different from Mm -hmm. where he was staying. And we were showing him how to wash his hands and here's the soap. And this was very new to him. And so he would go in the bathroom and just start splashing water all over the bathroom because <laughs> it was just so fun to him. And mm. he ha- was not used to running water. And mm-hmm. so we just that was a moment where we thought, OK, this is very new. Everything is new to him. And so it was quite an adjustment with him. But five years later, yes. he suggested I can look back now on the that time waiting for him, and I'm really thankful for it, which sounds crazy because it was so gut-wrenching at the time. I would have done nearly anything to bring him home, but it grew my faith in a way where I learned the lesson of having to choose to turn toward your hope in Jesus and not look around because— like Noah in the boat, choosing to focus on the Lord, because when you look outside, it's all storms and it's all desperate. And there were days that I gave in to despair. And I'm so thankful because the Lord would just use his word and his people to help me choose to trust. Mm. And that was just a lesson you can't learn unless you're in something like that. Well, and you had to choose. Yes, That's the it's issue. A choice. And all of us, yes, mm-hmm. in those moments of desperation, have to choose to turn to the Lord, to turn to His Word. And if you're in a spot like that right now and you're listening to us today, my mm-hmm. encouragement to you is to reach out to a Christian friend and share with them that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a dark place and mm-hmm. I need prayer. I need you to pray for me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to speak words of truth mm-hmm. over me. Mm-hmm. And all of us need someone like that in our mm-hmm. life. Yes. There were verses that I clung to during that time, like Psalm 27, 14 was in our book. Maybe last week when we talked about waiting, it says, when I wait, you strengthen my heart. And I would have to just anchor myself to that truth yeah. and pray that back to the Lord. Lord, I'm waiting and mm-hmm. I need you to strengthen my heart. Another verse that was so meaningful during that time is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, which says, 
Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And those verses, they would just remind me while I was waiting that I would not wither under the hardness of the situation if mm. I stayed in the word and um, abided in him. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful picture. It is, very definitely. Well, tell us, so you had three children, though, at the same time that you're in this two and a half, your yes. waiting period. Yes. How was it like? For them, do you feel like that they learned some things during that time as well? I do. The older ones definitely remember it very well. They also remember the kind of hard transition home just because Elliot was a little older and, you know, he realized more of like what was left behind and all the things that he knew. Yes, there are things that our children pick up on that we just don't even realize. And, you know, you see them acting in ways as they grow older, that shows, oh, they learned those lessons of faith and trust. And I, now being on the other side of the waiting, that's like the best place to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was here. Praise (laughs) the Lord. We're on the other side of that waiting time. Just sharing those stories with the kids and reminding them what the Lord brought us through and the things that He's done. Those stories are not wasted if we share them yes, and sharing right. them because we want to honor the author of that story mm-hmm. and show that what he's done is something that we couldn't do and we couldn't control our situation, but he stepped in and he acted. Yes. And our stories mm-hmm. give other people hope. Yes. And there are people that need to hear your story because they need to believe that what God did for you. He will do for them. Yes. There are so many women. I looked around this morning and thought, all of these women may be waiting on something. Mm -hmm. There's women waiting for a husband or a baby or friendships. There's others that are waiting on for the Lord to restore a marriage or a relationship with a family member, or they need the Lord to provide, or maybe they're begging for a healing from a sickness or an addiction There are so many of us who are waiting on the salvation of someone that we know and love. And we have to ask the Lord and beg Him for that and be faithful to stay close to Him while we're waiting. And oh, how faithful the Lord is to move Mm. on behalf of those who wait on Him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The waiting times can be hopeful when we're in covenant with the Lord. Exactly. That theme of covenant has just been precious to me too during our study, that Mm -hmm. His timing on when he fulfills that covenant Mm. is different from our timing or even our desires, Mm. but he can change us and change our desires Mm. as we wait on him. And that's the beauty of what the Lord allows to come into our lives because he does use it for our good and he does Mm -hmm. use it to change us, Mm -hmm. not always our circumstances, but he certainly uses it to change us as we day by day deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, we submit to Him, then we become more conformed to His image and not the image of this world. And that's our desire. Mm -hmm. But it only happens through those choices that you had to make on a daily basis Mm -hmm. to trust the Lord and to stand on His Word. His Word was that rock that kept you steady when the winds of doubt would assail you (laughs) and despair and and the what-ifs of what was going on with Elliot, Mm -hmm. you know, not knowing the kind of care he's receiving and how the Lord just blessed. And yet, as you were able to say, the waiting has been a blessing to Elliot too, because he recognizes now from some of 
his past experiences, how God has blessed him on this side. <laughs> it's great to be able to point backward toward that. Well, Angela, thank you so much for You're joining welcome. us. We so appreciate it and loved your tender heart toward the Lord and how you and Kevin both just surrendered to God's purpose and plan and how his timing was perfect, how he had mm-hmm. chosen these two children to become a part of your family and has brought them to you guys to nurture and help them grow and be introduced to the Lord. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. Dana, would you close us in prayer? Would you pray for any women listening today that are waiting? Yes. Mm. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, for the way that you have been faithful to Angela and Kevin Mm. and their children. Lord, we give you praise for the testimony, for the story that she has to tell. And Lord, I pray for those who are listening to the story today. Father, who have an ache in their hearts as they're waiting. Father, waiting to see you answer, waiting to see you move on their behalf. Father, for those who are on the brink of despair, Holy Spirit, would you meet them where they are right now. Would you minister mercy and grace? Father, would you give them the perseverance to endure? And Lord, I ask you to give these precious friends of ours who we don't even know many of them who are in a waiting room Mm. with you. Lord, would you give them divine appointments of hope that minister to their hearts, that point them to you, and Father, that give them added strength in the race that they're running for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Afterward Podcast is a production of Bellevue Women and Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. For more Bible studies and other resources, visit bellevue.org women.